Spire. Welcome back to Starting Now. I'm your host, Jeff Saris. This is the show where I talk to entrepreneurs to reveal the unexpected paths to entrepreneurship. Today, my guest is Samantha from the Stacy's and Honey's NFT projects. Um, she has done a wonderful job building these projects and communities. Um, the Honey's are hand drawn, and they're also hand drawn one of ones. And she also has a generative Honey's project, which is currently still minting, which is something we talk about. So many, so many NFT generative profile picture projects are minted they start minting and the whole goal is to sell out as quickly as possible but samantha's taking a much better well i don't say better but samantha's taking a different approach that i really appreciate in that the goal isn't just how quickly can we sell as many of these as we can it's it's an approach about building a community and building building a place that people want to be a part of rather than something that the people are coming in to purchase and flip and make a make a few bucks this was a great conversation and uh why don't we just dive right in so without further ado my conversation with samantha from stacy's do you want to go by stacy's do you want to go by your real name i i like to use real names but it's no pressure whatsoever yeah. So my name is Samantha. That's my real name. And uh, anyone is free to call me that. People just kind of started calling me Stacy because that's the name of the project. Stacy is actually my mom's name and I named the project oh. after her. So nice. <laughs> she gets weirded out when people call me Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. Um, but yeah, so just real quick then to, um, or not real quick, but to start sort of the um, encapsulation of who you are and what you do today um, in terms of NFTs. Yeah, so I guess um, I'm an NFT artist. I like to do mostly 2D art and pixel art. Um, I've started my NFT journey about seven months ago now. So I kind of got in right when everyone was starting to get excited about it and when OpenSea started promoting a lot. Um, and yeah, so I run two collections now. Um, there's Stacy's, which is my pixel art collection. And that was the first collection that I ever started. And that's kind of like hand-drawn one-one stuff. Um, and then the second collection is Honey's. So that started as a collection of like um, hand-drawn as well. There was 150 or so. And then we created a generative project based on that project with the help of some amazing developers. Oh yeah, yeah. And I mean you're doing a lot because beyond that you also have the uh I have a whole list, but yeah, the honey OGs, the original honeys that you were doing the one-on-ones, the 10K, you have Stacy's, Stacy's pets, the cute cupcake village. Like you were just Oh right. Yeah, you're <laughs> prolific in the space. And I can't I mean it's hard for me to grasp creating that much. It's just it's amazing. I love it. And starting with the pixel art, was that something you had been doing? before the Stacy's project. I, I like, um, recently you were like, when am I ever going to get the credit I deserve for creating the first NFT with jiggle physics? I thought that was just, <laughs> <laughs> just dream <laughs> because yeah, it's just, it's really like that, that added, uh, motion that you put in there really like it does create something even, <laughs> even a step beyond what other people are doing. You know, I really like it. Yeah, thanks. Um, so I never did pixel art before this. And actually, like part of what got me into the pixel art space was that I saw chubbies and I really loved them. And then I watched kind of the whole controversy that happened with them. I found Pixel Hans's work, which I'm in love with. I'm friends with Pixel Hans now. He's an amazing uh, person and I love working with him. So they, you know, his work actually was what inspired me to try pixel art in the first place. And I did really like it. Um, kind of at the time when I first, you know, started doing that pixel art, I hadn't drawn characters or created anything like for myself in a long time. And I was starting like after school, I was very burnt out from creating stuff nonstop. And I just kind of had lost that motivation, but seeing his work and then doing that really re-inspired me to get back into creating. And so now you've kind of seen like 
that I'm back into a full swing, like been doing it every day for seven months. So that's actually a really good feeling. Oh, Gotta yeah. Give credit to him for that. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's funny because in the context of almost any other business endeavor, seven months is like, oh, we're still early. But seven months <laughs> in NFTs, you were you were there at the ground floor of everything that's happening, which is really exciting. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, sometimes it's hard to put into context. Like I do think about how hard it is some days to be creating. And I know like a lot of other artists are finding it really hard to keep up. Um, but then I think of it on the flip side of like, well, if I was building a traditional brick and mortar business, like I would probably be in a ton of debt right now, trying to get that set up, probably wouldn't be revenue positive by now. Like there, there would just be so many different hurdles. So in a way it makes me feel very, very thankful for where we are. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So so just to rewind a bit to start, then I want to dive deeper into the projects and all your experiences. But who were you uh, growing up? Did you see yourself as an artist? And do you envision being an artist in the future? That's a very deep question. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah. Um, I've been drawing like since before I could walk. I would sit with my grandpa and draw. Um, when I was a little, little kid, he loved to uh, do oil painting of like sailboats. That was his thing. And so, yeah, I've always just been dry. I grew up with a pencil in my hand constantly. Um, I remember like, <laughs> it's kind of funny cause I always had the entrepreneurial spirit as well as being an artist. So I remember like in grade school, I was drawing bookmarks that had characters of my classmates on them. And I would like sell them to them for a quarter. <laughs> um, and then my teacher like got mad and made me stop, but <laughs> just always things like that. I did like a, I organized a bike show in my neighborhood. <laughs> and if you're wondering what a bike show is, it's where you get on your bike and you ride around in circles. For neighbors. <laughs> so anyways, we like painted, um, little pet rocks to sell. And we like went around door to door, um, knocking on people's doors, selling them tickets to this event, which unfortunately we had listed as being on like a date that didn't exist, like October, you know, 40th or something. <laughs> Cause we were little and we didn't know dates. So um, it never actually happened, but yeah, that's my origin story. Yeah. I love that. Um, did you have someone in your life who was the entrepreneur that sort of gave you that that uh, sort of motivation or inspiration, because that is at a really young age, it shows that you have um, not those two brains, but sometimes people are like, either you're an artist or an entrepreneur, but you definitely, you live in both spaces. Yeah, that's a good question. I think it was definitely both my parents. Um, when I was growing up, my parents were starting like a plumbing company together. And so I just kind of watched them go through the process of building that and like having commercials filmed at the, you know, location and stuff like that. Um, and then as I grew older, my dad kind of developed, um, his business more. So now he owns a business selling modular trailers, um, in Canada. And then my mom has always kind of had a little bit of that spirit as well. Um, she, is really into like doing charity work. And so she started her own like mental health uh, support group for a while. And then she started another company um, around helping kids with disabilities and like watching them. So definitely got it from full sides. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, it's in the DNA. It's really there <laughs> from the beginning. So <laughs> right. then what were you sort of envisioning for yourself and maybe when you were younger, when you were going to school or, or whatnot? Yeah. Um, I think for a long time, I didn't know. I think like a lot of other people, I just didn't know for a while. I thought I wanted to go to medical school and become a surgeon for a while. I thought I would like to be a psychologist because I am really interested in that as well. Um, and then, you know, on the other side of it, I did just really always like doing art and I kind of wanted to find a way to make that work. So that was the dream. Um, I think for a while I wanted to do concept art for video games, but as you know, I kind of found out more about what that would involve. I kind of moved away from it into the graphic design field and just kind of doing my own things. So what I'm doing now is actually kind of my dream, just creating the um, work that I like to make and just having people enjoy it. That's what I've always wanted. Yeah, for sure. And have you done um, other, as an adult, other entrepreneurial, have you pursued any other entrepreneurial endeavors? Oh, have I? I don't think I don't think so. I mean, so I have 
my graphic design business. And I just like take some freelance clients through that for graphic design work as well, but with a full-time job and full-time NFTs, I don't really have a lot of time to, <laughs> to support that right now. So yeah, how long it was you, one of those things. <laughs> how long have you been doing that? The freelance? Um, oh, I've been doing that since I was a teenager. I, it started like, I would try to sell, um, customized greeting cards on like Kijiji. <laughs> and then I got hired to do character art for an event once, even though I had never done it before. <laughs> so that was a little scary, but really fun. Um, yeah, ever since then, I just kind of do it wherever I can find it. Yeah. How did you uh, actually get that character art then if you hadn't done it before? Because like, it's funny. <laughs> I feel like we we sort of operate in parallel because my story has some very similar uh, moments where it's like, oh, can you do this? I'm like, sure. And now I'm this. <laughs> That's exactly how I've ended up doing most things in my life. Um, so that job was from the Kijiji ads. So the Kijiji ads, which if you guys are in America, Kijiji is like Craigslist um, in Canada, which is where I grew up. So I was selling the customized greeting cards with people's pictures on them and they had cartoons on them. And then um, the person who needed the job contacted me because their character artist had dropped out last minute and they were really desperate for someone. And they just asked if I could do it. So I told them like, you know, I've never done it before, but I think I can draw characters so I could try. And they were down with it and, <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. Nice. Did that lead to further character art type stuff? It did not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, though. Yeah, because for me, um, I had a friend who was getting married. They're like, oh, we love your photos. This is like, I don't know, I had an iPhone 3GS at the time. And they're like, we love your photos that like we see online. And would you shoot the wedding? I'm like, okay, I guess. So like I buy a DSLR. I learn how to shoot like actual photos. So I'd never use anything but a point and shoot or my phone. Um, and yeah, then for a little while, I was a photographer, a photographer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> How did that go? <laughs> no, it was good. Like, I mean, because I mean, I imagine with you too, you get invested. You're like, no, I'm not going, I'm not going to let them down. Like, I'm going to yeah. do the best work I possibly can, even if I'm getting paid pennies, maybe relative to a professional. But yeah, it just, it works out that way. I think that, I think that sort of feeds into the entrepreneurial, uh, uh, maybe drive. Yeah, it gives you a way to learn new skills. It's great all around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So so then you were you were doing the freelance, you have your full-time job. And um what was the like was there a moment? Was there something where you you discovered Pixel Hans or you discovered something that that clicked? Like, oh, I could I could pursue this. Yeah. Um I had actually seen a big marketing push that I think OpenSea was doing when they were kind of just doing their initial promotions. And that's when I learned what an NFT was because I didn't know before that. And so I started diving deep down the rabbit hole after that point, because naturally, like, I'm super interested in technology, computers. I love digital art. So as soon as I found out about it, I knew that like, this is my thing. Like, I need to try it. <laughs> yeah. Have, had you done anything with crypto before? Uh, a little bit. I think I made my first wallet maybe like two years prior. I was bored one night. And so I found like a Bitcoin meetup group that was going on in my city. And they were teaching people what cryptocurrency was and like how to set up their first wallet. And um, I thought it was really interesting, but I didn't really touch it after that, which yeah. is unfortunate because maybe I would have had, you know, <laughs> a punk right now <laughs> if I did. But <laughs> can't yeah. win them all. <laughs> Um, what was the first thing you collected, just out of curiosity? Because like you're creating, did you find yourself collecting and creating at the same time? Yes, I've purchased many, many things. <laughs> um, I think the first thing I ever got was actually through a trade, and it was a Pixel Murloc. And I mm -hmm. traded it for a Stacy to somebody who just proposed this idea. Yeah, that's really cool to be able to uh, leverage your art. Like what you were creating to be able to leverage that into something that you want is amazing. I mean, was that, what was the feeling like sort of that first, maybe the first sale or that trade, whatever, whatever came first? It was crazy, actually. Like, so I told you a little bit earlier in the interview that I was not able to create for a long time or not like interested in creating. And it's because as a person, I 
tend to put a lot of pressure on myself to always be producing something that's valuable or that's going to, you know, get me somewhere in life. And that took the fun out of creating for me. So when I started um, doing NFTs, I told myself that I'm going to do this every day, just like people did, no matter if any of them sell. Um, and for the first two weeks, I like didn't know what I was doing at all. I had every item listed as an auction because I thought that's what people do. <laughs> the prices were like really not the right price. Were you going um, so too high or too low? Too high. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, too high. <laughs> too high. Too high in doing auctions. It was, uh, yeah, it was not the right adjustment, but eventually like I figured everything out. And I think two weeks later I made my first sale and that person purchased a lot of things for me. And I was kind of like internally freaking out, like, Oh my gosh, this is really happening. People want to buy these. Uh, it was, it was the best feeling ever. Cause up until then, like I had worked as a graphic designer or building websites, but like you sell art prints at Comic-Con and it's like two people want to buy them or something <laughs> for $10. So it's not really like, it's not the same at all. Yeah. Were you actually doing like booths and things at Comic-Con? Not like not a regular. I went with my friend one year who was doing it. We just kind of shared a booth, but that was my only experience <laughs> no, but doing that's, that. That's really cool. I like that a lot. I mean, it's you have to dabble in those things and see like how much you like if you like it and whatnot. So did you just buy sort of a stock of a handful of prints and then put them up or how did you approach that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just kind of um, printed some things off. I had got a lot of things printed off for school, actually, because um, the university that I was at did um, sales like twice a year where the artists could just kind of have little booths and sell their work, which were really cool because the school was very multidisciplinary. So there was like photography, sculpture, advertising work, um, character design, like tons of different things you could buy, jewelry. Um, so I did those. So I had some stuff left over and I got some stuff printed and just took it with me. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. And it, it just sort of, it shows you have that, those two lanes, the art and the entrepreneur, like business sort of lane. And I really like, I really like that combo a lot just because it is, it's very valuable because when people maybe don't have the inclination to sell and things, sometimes um, people can be get very discouraged as an artist because it's, it takes the selling, it takes the connection. Like that's always an important piece. Yeah, I totally agree. I see a lot of artists that do struggle with that because it doesn't feel natural to them in a way. So I feel really lucky that it is something that I kind of grew up with, but also like, hopefully I can kind of help people through that by talking to them and giving them tips. <laughs> Usually my tips aren't good, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, because like everyone's in a different part of their journey. So like you are like you're many steps ahead of people who are starting out today. And like you said, with that first auction, like you weren't those first <laughs> auctions, you weren't you were new, you were learning. And that's it's so important, though. And to to run with it and not get discouraged, I think, is such an important thing for people to to remember, because like in those first couple of weeks, if you were discouraged and didn't keep going and adjusting pricing and figuring those things out, like who knows if if you'd be trading anymore. It's true. And that's like, that's such a big message because I was like firsthand that type of person, like nothing would ever be good enough for me to keep doing it. Like I always had to plan and prepare and get everything like perfect before I could just start doing. And that held me back so much because as soon as you just start doing, you're learning more than you ever would have from sort of that pre-planning phase you're getting the experience and then you just get momentum from there so i would definitely recommend if you're out there and you're thinking about doing something just do it <laughs> <laughs> for sure i mean that is the exact reason i call this podcast starting now is i wanted to start this podcast for like eight years and i just didn't <laughs> pull the trigger and so many people that like we work with and people i know just they've had these ideas but you we always want it to be perfect we want it like nice neat tied up with a bow but really we got to get out there and get the experience otherwise like what are we doing we're just we're just going to be standing still on this treadmill trying to get somewhere without actually taking the steps forward off of it that's awesome well good for you for starting it <laughs> yeah yeah it took a while <laughs> but yeah but enjoying it so far but yeah so 
that's the perfect uh, perfect story, perfect encapsulation of everything. So when you were first starting out, then you hadn't done pixel art. Where did you turn immediately and um, how did you start to develop that skill set? Good, good question. I just kind of started doing it. I, I looked at some reference material online, like Pinterest. Like I mentioned, Pixel Han stuff, um, are just mostly artists that are really good at it. I just tried to figure out what they were doing and do it. And I think it definitely got better over time. I'm still learning, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, from the very beginning, though, this stuff looks great. Just <laughs> so, but but we always we're our uh, our worst critic. You know, we look at something and we see all the problems or issues or whatever we feel. Um, what's your like tool of choice? Is it iPad, Procreate, or something else? Yeah, I think it depends what I'm doing. So um, I do have an iPad, which I love, and I use that for the majority of things. It's very comfortable for just like drawing and relaxing kind of at the same time. And then if I kind of need to take something a little more high production or do a little bit more of a complicated animation, for example, I'll pull it over to the computer and just like into Photoshop or into a Sprite uh, from there. Oh, what was that second one? A Sprite? Hmm, um, I, I, don't know, I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's a tool specifically for pixel art and it's great kind of if you're a professional, you can export sprite sheets or add plugins to kind of help with certain animations. So it's really, really useful. Nice. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. That's I'm fascinated by pixel art. I'm not like I've done little dabbled a little bit <laughs> in illustration just since NFTs. So I'm so inspired by seeing everything that people are doing. But like it is just uh yeah, me learning and finding my path. But um, yeah, I'll definitely check that out. And do you normally do then the, you mentioned Photoshop or a Sprite. Do you tend to do the animation in Photoshop specifically? No. Uh, well, for the pixel art animation, I do that in a Sprite. And then if it's like a 2D um, drawing for the honeys, that will be either in Procreate or in Photoshop. Okay. Yeah. Makes yeah. sense. So what are some of the things that initially you wish you would have known when you were first starting in this space? <sighs> That's a good question. <laughs> uh, don't make everything an auction. Um, is definitely one of them. <laughs> That's another one. Or even, yeah, maybe early days. How were you connecting? with people say, because you're part of the, like I, there's a specific core community of artists that I really like and really respect and really appreciate what they're doing. And like, I found you through, through that community. Like you guys seem like tight knit and like a really good way. And you both sort of, you both, you all sort of came up around the same time. How did you start to connect with, with the, your fellow artists and other um, NFT like entrepreneurs? That's a good question. So um, when I started, I just kind of started putting myself out there through my Twitter feed, but also trying to find other people who seemed like they were doing interesting things and just like talking to them, interacting with them. And then what started to happen from there was a lot of people just kind of made friends with each other through DMs. And a lot of people would start making DM group chats. So like just to talk with friends or to help each other, like promote each other's work, just like, Hey, give me a retweet kind of thing. And now there's tons of groups like that. Like, um, so if you see little groups of artists sticking together, they probably, you know, have become good friends. Oh yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm, because it's all about like, it's what you know and who you know. That's, I, I say it a lot on this show, but it's so important to build our communities because everything comes down to sort of a no like and trust factor. So if people don't know you, like if you don't know the people that can sort of introduce you to new audiences, how do you get that trust factor sort of right up front and immediately? So yeah, it's very valuable. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely wouldn't be as far as I am or having as much fun as I am with a lot of the people that I've met along the journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So like what is... Uh, is there a project that you connect with more? Like Stacy's versus Honey's, they're very different types of art. Obviously, they're both coming from you. Um, but do you have maybe a connection to either one? Or 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 maybe a better question is what um, inspired you to transition sort of from Stacy's into Honey's? 
Yeah. I would say that I have a deep connection to both collections equally, but for different reasons. So I really love Stacy's because of the fact that it did bring me out of my artistic slump and really like give me confidence as an artist to just kind of go out there and do my thing and not really care what people think. And also it was the first project that started my whole brand, you know, everyone calling me Stacy, uh, being named after my mom was like, you know, I had this really big inspiration to like help build a legacy around her or something. Cause I love her so much. <laughs> and, um, so for that reason, I'm like really connected to that collection. And then when honeys came about, I actually wasn't planning it at all. Um, it was kind of in the phase of the internet when Hicketnunk, um, the re- website that runs off Tezos was getting really popular because gas was really high and people just wanted a fun alternative for a while. So I had drawn something that was a little bit more in my normal style of drawing, which is just like the 2D girls, like pinup type stuff that I love drawing. And I showed it to my friends online that were into NFTs and they like really liked it at that time. And they didn't know, I guess, that I could do that kind of thing. (laughs) So, um, at that point I was just like, oh, well, why don't I just kind of start doing this for fun and see what happens. And it did turn into something more than that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Because they are such different styles that I think people sort of assume like, oh, you're the pixel artist. Like that's your thing. That's your lane. And that's what you've, you've developed. Yeah. And I think not really having a distinct style is always something that I've struggled with as an artist. Like, I don't know if other artists feel this way, but I always really looked up to artists that had their style and everything that they put out, you know, it's from them. Like Fat Baby, for example, has an amazing distinct style. And I am so jealous of that. And I always wanted to have that. But I have kind of learned as well, like, it's not the worst thing ever to be versatile. No, I mean, I think it's wonderful. See, it speaks to me, like coming from where I come from, that is, um, that's how I'm wired similarly. So I'm actually curious, do you consider yourself a problem solver? Yes. Like, would that be like, how, how much of your identity would you say you sort of attribute to problem solving? A hundred. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, but definitely like I'm the type of person that like anything I hear, I'm like, oh, okay, how do we fix this? Or like, what's the solution to this? Like very utilitarian type thinking. So, so yes. So we are very, very similar because that is me. Like to me, I say like my core is problem solving. And that's why like when it comes to illustration, actually, I might post it at some point and then I'll share it with you. But I, the things that I've drawn haven't started, I don't have a vision for what I want to end up with, but I feel almost like a hacky sculptor. <laughs> I draw something really bad <laughs> and I keep cha- changing and tweaking it for like hours until it's something that I think is actually nice looking, but it's that it's a problem solving. And I have such a, such a different um, direction than most people. Like you, you clearly have the vision and you, you're, you're developing something, which I don't have that like sort of artistic vision, <laughs> but in terms of the problem solving, I, I could see the overlap, just how you were saying the different styles. Cause that's where I feel like I'm coming from. I'm just, I'm dabbling in styles that are out there just to see like, okay, what can I do? Like what's possible, you know? But you know what? It's funny that you say that because actually when I'm left to my own devices, I am the same way. Like I don't think at all about what I'm doing. If I can help it, I just kind of draw and whatever happens, happens. And then like whatever comes out naturally, I do just kind of try to edit it a little by little, like adapt different styles and just see where it ends up. And so maybe we are similar in that way as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> um, so had you been, what was sort of your, um, how, how did art play a role in your life before NFTs? Because you said you, you had sort of a creative slump, but were you still sort of grabbing a sketchbook and drawing or, or anything along those lines um, in a pure art, from a pure art standpoint? Because again, I'm remembering you said, just like I feel, if it doesn't feel productive, it doesn't feel like it's actually maybe worth doing or it's hard to get yourself to go there. So had you been uh, pursuing any other art? Yeah, I think um, I had been pursuing a lot of art and it was mostly 
with a function, you know? So if I had a commission to do, I would do that. Or if I thought I had a business idea, I would probably do it for a week and then stop doing it after (laughs) (laughs) because a lot of times I wasn't really being true to like what I wanted. Right. I was trying to think what would people like, and that doesn't necessarily uh, lead to longevity. So, so that was kind of my experience, um, beforehand. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. And this, I mean, this sounds like this, you wanted to do it and there was some, some switch in your mind that you were able to flip over to say, no, I want to do this for me. Is that, it sounds that way anyway. Yeah, exactly. I kind of made a promise that like, I was going to do exactly what I wanted. I was not going to care about anything else. (laughs) Um, And that worked. I don't know. Sometimes if you just give yourself a strict talking to, I guess it works. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And like now you have all the projects, you have the 10K project, which I want to talk about in a minute. Is there a um, runway? Do you see a path where you might go full-time here? Like, is that something that you want to go? Do you want to become a full-time NFT artist or do you like sort of balancing both the uh, day job and the art? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I... For right now, I do like balancing both. And a lot of that is because I I do love the people that I work with at my day job. They're a great group of people and they're like very tight knit. They're not like other companies I've been at. Like people don't just kind of turn each other to the dust, I guess. So I, I really love working with them and I would like to keep that going. I do love my art and I do love the NFT world, but I do think right now for me, there's too many variables that would make it unstable for a career. Like you see just gas shoot up one week and nobody can make a sale. Um, So things like that, I kind of, I feel like I'd have to be in a different position to be willing to pull the trigger there. Yeah. And that's that analytical brain because I think the same way um, because I love seeing so many people like, being like, oh, I'm going full-time NFTs, doing this. Um, a lot of people who've never actually pursued a business or anything on their own. And I'm always I'm always a little nervous for them. Like I'm I'm excited, but at the same time, it it is running a business. It's not just purely like, oh, I'll just be an illustrator and pump this stuff out and it'll be fine. Like there's a lot more that goes into it. So yeah, that's definitely that the analytical side of your <laughs> thinking, which I completely relate to and I think it's something important to talk about too because it's so exciting right now and so much opportunity is out there but we don't know what a month three months 12 months has in store really for the the ecosystem it seems like it's gonna it has to explode even further just because there's barely anyone in it so far but really we don't know yeah I totally agree with you and you know, what that explosion will lead to, although it will be more potential customers is more potential competition. I mean, I've already seen so many artists come into this space that are like super insanely crazy. And it's hard for me to feel like I can compete (laughs) with them. Um, There's just so many great people coming to this space too. And like you said, so many variables, so many unknowns. So I guess, you know, it's great to follow your dreams. And if you feel like you can do that, it's a great thing. And I just would say, be financially responsible with it <laughs> oh, <laughs> before yeah. you take the plunge. <laughs> Absolutely. So I wanted to talk about the 10K, the the Honeys project. Um, so you have yeah. Honey OGs, which are the original one of ones. You hand drew all of them. The, the 10K is the uh, generative where you drew it, but then the software puts them together as people mint them. Um, what was the inspiration to go with the 10K route? Yeah, so I mostly just thought it would be really fun. Um, I saw other people doing it, and I just thought that it was such a cool intersection of development work and artistic work. Because like I told you, um, I do website design for my job, but I just know like very simple front-end languages. Like, but I do work with people who do the back-end stuff, and I am constantly amazed by them. Like, I think they're sm- so smart and so good at what they do. And so when people started doing these generative projects, I was just like, I really want to do that because developers are kind of artists in their own way. And I think if we could work together, it would just be so much fun. And it was so much fun. Nice. So what did that collaborative process look like then? Hmm. Yeah. So basically 
what we did was I made all the assets on separate layers and the developers kind of worked to develop the code in the way that um, would take everything in and spit out the results. So we kind of talked together about, okay, what will these trait names be? They have to be named in a specific way. They have to be layered in a specific way. Um, And then you know, we discussed like what the rarity percentages would be. And there was a lot of back and forth about how exactly that process would work on the back end. And for example, like if there was any things in the future that we needed to consider, like to set it up a certain way. So we did some work on that, like figuring out which uh, server we would use. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how did you then connect with the developers you worked with? Because you have, um, it's three of you on the project, correct? I think. Yeah, yeah, it's three of us. So myself, um, Sinkos, and Steamed Bunny. And we connected. So they actually worked on Cart Labs with Pixel Hans. And I had just found them because I kind of put out a tweet asking if anyone knew a good developer. And Pixel Hans did know good developers. (laughs) Um, And then I just PM'd them after that. And they were pretty excited to work together and they have done actually a lot of really great um other projects recently as well they did some work on clever girls and uh gang so nice yeah so then um so you were sort of new you hadn't known them very well how did you work out sort of the business side of it because um i don't think at least i believe you all are um sort of joint owners of the project right you didn't like hire them and pay them up front Yeah, right. So we uh, decided on an equity deal. So they're actually a couple and they share a lot of the work. So we just decided on a 50-50 split and um, that's coded into the contract. So kind of it's public information. Um, the reason I'm saying that is the reason I'm saying that is because I initially asked them, I was like, do you guys want to sign a contract or anything? Like, would that make you feel more comfortable? And they were like, well, it's in the contract now. (laughs) And I just thought that was really kind of an interesting part of it. So (laughs) I mean, that is a really good point to make because these are smart contracts and it's hard to, it's so hard, even though like, cause I've been dabbling and interested in this space for months now. Um, and you've been in this space for a while, but it is still hard to think differently than the analog world so it's like well no we we sign a piece of paper and that's our contract but this is literally code that is a contract so yeah yeah no more i'll scan this and fax it to you Uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is a really good point but yeah um and that it seems really fair too the because you're the artist and then the development is um they're both so important to, to a project like this that um, yeah, it's nice to like split it down the middle and make sure everyone's taken care of. Yeah. And that's why we did it. I really wanted them to feel like they were an equal part in the project. Cause I really do feel that way about them. Like I couldn't have done it without them. And I don't know, their work was so amazing. So I'm really appreciative that they wanted to do it with me. Right. <laughs> Cause a lot of people might not want to take that risk. You know, it's a lot of upfront work to just trust that it will work out and you will get something for your labor. And they trusted me. So that's amazing. Yeah, for sure. And so we see all the projects that are selling out immediately, selling out in an hour, selling out in a week, whatever. Um, But I really appreciate that the path that you've taken, like you're not trying to pump it. You're not trying to, like you're promoting it, but not, not in a, uh, negative way you're not trying to pump it and bring in um influencers just to push it forward for the sake of pushing it forward i love that it like you've taken the organic approach have you um have you had any struggles inside because i know like this is a big lead up to build something like this it takes a lot of time and effort um have you ever struggled with that like oh i wish it would have sold out or um uh organic is better like sort of how do you feel about that Yeah, actually, I'm not going to lie. The period leading up to and then after the sale was a lot harder than I was expecting because there's so many more expectations on you from a lot of people than I think you initially realize when you're going into it. And after we didn't, you know, sell out immediately as some projects do, um, I felt a lot of like personal responsibility. Like I was very fearful that I was letting people down and that they were going to be really 
upset by me. Like I didn't want them to feel like they had wasted their money or like, you know, I had done something bad to them. Like I just really, really, really didn't want to make people feel that way. And also um, my team, like I didn't want them to feel like they wasted their time as well. So I did struggle with it a lot emotionally, um, even though it's like you said, I think the approach we're taking is just as valid as the other approach, because when it comes down to it, right, you just have to pick what you want your stress to be, because there is a lot of stresses that do come with instantly selling out a project. There's a lot of downsides as well. So either way, um, you're just going to have to get through it. And that's kind of (laughs) how I felt about this. But I mean, I talked to a lot of people about it and the community was so amazing. Like everyone that's there now and and they talk to me regularly, they say, you didn't let us down. Like, we're really happy to be here. We like the way things are going. We like the relaxed environment here. Like, you know, and we're here for the project and we're here for the togetherness. So I think that what it's led to, even though it was hard to digest because I didn't want to let people down is that we've really got an amazing group of people now that are supporting the project. Yeah. And that's so important. I mean, the community is every, I mean, there's the art, the art is vital, but at the same time, the community is really what makes NFTs special. And like you're building a true connected community, which is like, it's amazing. Like that, that in and of itself is a huge accomplishment. Yeah. It's hard to believe sometimes. Like I'm a very introverted person. And so just having all these people like to talk to and be interested with is really um, different, but in an exciting way. So as an introvert, how do you manage the community? Like how, like, do you have any sort of way, um, any sort of tips for other introverts who may want to do something similar? Yeah, I think um, it is going to be hard, but the best thing I've learned is just try to be authentic. Like I think a lot of introverts are very worried about how maybe they come off to other people or what other people are going to think of them, but just kind of lean into that and be yourself. And then just know that like, if if everyone doesn't like you, it is okay. Um, that happens. And there are lots of people that do like you and just kind of do your best and people will see that. And I think they'll appreciate it. Yeah. Authenticity is so (laughs) underrated because like being real and being a person is what we connect with. And that is a big problem that I see. It's my personal like perspective, but a big problem I see with the projects that do pump really fast and sell out is it really isn't a community. It's people talking a lot about the floor, a lot about like, oh, let's raise our prices. Like, how are we going to make money on this? Where that's a very different lane than what you're building or a lot of the other people sort of that I mentioned before, like in, in the space that, that I'm most interested in. The reason I like, like came across you, it, it's taking the, the approach of, no, we're building something for the long term. We're building friendships and connections that will be supportive of one another. It's not just, it's not all about, it's not you, it's everyone together and you're the artist who's bringing everyone together, which I think is, is wonderful. Yeah, that's such a nice way to say it. I think it's really interesting to observe, actually, because you see one type of generative project, which is me. It's like the one artist who's just trying to like do their art thing. And then you see companies that are big companies kind of pulling together these really like impressive productions. And they have like people just full time doing this all day. And um, I don't think there's anything wrong with either approach. I just think it's really good to kind of see that those two different things are happening so you can figure out what you most identify with. Yeah. And that's the important part. Yeah. Finding where you feel like you belong, like where you're comfortable and yeah, something you want to be a part of. So there's one thing that I saw mentioned and I don't know what this is. I'm just curious. (laughs) It was uh, mentioned the no hot dogs awareness campaign. (laughs) I can't really did. You really tucked you. I came across it in one of the descriptions and I'm like, I I need to just ask. I need to know what this is. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad you asked about it actually. So the Stacy Pets collection that I uh that you mentioned before, that's just like little pixel pets that I'm making. And a hundred percent of the money from that collection is gonna go to this charity campaign I wanna run. 
And basically it's, um, it's an awareness campaign that I want to create. Cause I'm kind of like a little bit of a designer, a little bit of a marketer, and I just kind of saw a need for it. So what it is essentially going to be is like an awareness campaign that I'm going to run across America, particularly, um, we'll see how, how much money I have to commit to this, but like particularly across some of the Southern warmer States, just raising awareness about not leaving your pets in hot cars, um, like animal, animal cruelty and just like stuff like that is something that's always really bothered me. And like this particular issue, um, it's, it's just like really hard for me because you see a pet in a hot car. If you know that it's kind of too hot to leave a pet in a car and sometimes it's like, what can you really do? Right? Like I can smash their window and steal their dog. I can like frantically run around looking for them to like, try to convince them to not do that. Uh, it's just like a very helpless situation, but like, you know, it does affect a lot of animals and children. Um, so I just kind of thought that an awareness campaign, like run through Facebook ads might help if I can make it in such a way that it explains the issue clearly, but isn't too horrible to look at. Cause I know a lot of the animal shelters, like either they don't really have a lot of money to do like awareness campaigns like that, or they, they do it in such a way that's like, you have to just immediately block the ad because it's like too horrible to look at yeah. and you can't stand it. And then it's like, it doesn't really have the impact that they wanted maybe. So I just, I thought with my skill set, like I could do something really good there. So anyways, that's kind of what it's all about. And that's something that I want to run um, like for next summer. Nice. So that was the entire impetus behind Stacy Pets then. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. really nice. I, I really like that. Yeah. So in terms of um, creating sort of the deliverables on that, do you have a vision now for maybe integrating these NFTs or sort of what do you, how do you envision that uh, project? That's a good question. Um, so I did want to allocate some more time nearer to the date to work out all the specific details, but I think what it will probably look like is first of all, just Facebook ads with a clear set of creative that has like the, a very strong and clear message. So maybe that'll be something like, um, what the temperature is safe to leave a dog in or just something that's very easy and catchy for people to remember. And then the second part of that will be a landing page. So I I'm thinking of like a way to get people socially involved from this. So maybe they can provide their details and, um, receive like a free care package that would have like a bumper sticker saying they're in this like no hot dogs club. And then that will like direct people to it. It would have kind of all the information or like popular, you know, points and counterpoints about this issue to help people like get, uh, the education on it if they want it. And, um, just some, some cute little graphics too. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so I assume you're a dog lover. Are you do you like a lot of animals? Are animals sort of a key part of who you are? Um or specifically dogs? Uh yeah, I love all animals, but I like dogs are maybe my favorite. I have a really cute little mini Australian shepherd, so I love <laughs> nice. them a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I'm just curious, did you ever um, consider pursuing more animal type with, with the explosion of the animal profile pictures? <laughs> was that ever like something on your radar? Not really, because I like artistically, all I've ever drawn is like female characters and other types of like humanoid characters. Like that's just what I like to draw. Um so I haven't really got a lot of practice drawing animals just because I don't feel naturally inclined to do it. But I don't know, maybe I should. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah I, mean, all makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you have your uh, trajectory right now, which is wonderful. Like, I really love everything you're doing. And I love just throwing in the no <laughs> You can <hot> say it. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? You can say it. <laughs> say movies. what? Oh, <laughs> no, I just I actually <laughs> just meant, though, I really like everything you've crafted. Like, thanks. Yeah, just because the project themselves the projects themselves are um 
they stand on their own. It, it's nothing, you're not, like we talked about, you're not phoning anything in. Like you're creating really great pieces, but then you're also, you're integrating the, um, I guess, utility. I feel like utility is almost like a dirty word in the space now, just be, but you're creating that like gamification of like, um, what do you have like bunny passes and season passes and all these things that make it like fun for people to collect and try to um, like be deeper in the community. And yeah, I just, I really, really respect the, the approach you've taken and um, like how you're doing things. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really glad that you noticed that because what I love about games is like, when you can buy a season pass and like get all the cosmetics for that season. And so in my mind, this was like my way to integrate that without actually like promising to make a game. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And that, yeah. I mean, that is so valuable too, because like those are the things that we get invested, like we'd invested in you and then we get invested in the, the collectability side of things. So it, yeah, it makes it fun. Have you um, been considering any other um, things like that or is there maybe something that you would like sort of where would you say people should start I guess when they when they enter your the the honeys uh, Stacy's sort of world where should they look first oh where should they look first well I guess it depends if they connect more with the honeys or with the Stacy's if they connect with the honeys a, a big reason that I wanted to make the generative collection is because the honeys were very popular when I was drawing them by hand and people were not able to get them when they would drop right there was a lot of gas wars happening and so I wanted people to be able to get them if they wanted them and now you can do that for you know this the same price really um so that's a really good place to start with like a kind of lower entry point price. And um, if you like the Stacy's more then look out for a drop and yeah, with either of those things, like I kind of, what I like doing is just making more art and airdropping it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so either way, I think you're going to be covered there. <laughs> yeah. And I really like all the, the pieces that you're doing in the um, with the season pass or the monthly passes. I, I really like because they're all, they all still, they do feel like you. Like, I don't know, you mentioned you're like still trying to maybe find your lane, but we can tell that it comes from you, but they're also, they're distinct. They're not, um, they're not exactly a Stacy or a Honey. They, they have their own sort of vibe to it. So yeah, I think that's a great way to do it. So, um, so I don't want to take any more of your time. This is awesome. And where should we send people then to follow along? Good question. You can follow me on Twitter at CryptoStacy's and I'll see you there. <laughs> Perfect. Well, yeah, thanks again. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much, Jeff. I want to thank Samantha for joining me on this episode. Be sure to head on over to CryptoStacy's on Twitter to check out everything she's up to. As always, this, this episode of Starting Now is brought to you by Built. At Built, we help you get started online. Whether you want to start a blog or a business, head on over to Built.co. That's B-Y-L-T dot C-O to get started. Built. Your website, built for you, simply. Finally, if you're enjoying the show, I'd love it if you check out the YouTube version. Um, it's You can just look up Starting Now or my name, Jeff Saris. And I'd love it if you subscribed and gave it a thumbs up. It really means a lot and really helps the show reach new people. So that'll do it for this week. Again, I'm Jeff Saris. This has been Starting Now, and I will see you next time.